So I was at a dinner party the other night, and the first guy that comes up to me, an old friend, I'm like, how are you doing? And he's like, everything hurts. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. How many of you have had those conversations? He's just like, and then because I got the hip replaced, and then my knees, and then the stuff, and then I just, everything just hurts. And it's not just because it's fall. It's just because this is just, just life. I know every time I engage in hardy work like lumberjacking or, or, um, or mountain biking or, or any standing, some of those things, some of those big things. No, whenever I do that, I have to like plan ahead. Like I play basketball and, and ultimate frisbee still, go figure. But uh, you know, I'm doing all these things, but I have to plan ahead. And so I've got this routine now. Um, so I've, and I've got a hot tub a spa, and the Lord knows, the Lord knows I've needed it, and so, so I sit in that spa, and I stretch as much as I can, and then I go, and I get my trigger point roller, it's about this big, and I just like roll out my back on it, back and forth to try to get everything to pop, and then, you know, I've stretched, and I do all this kind of stuff, then I lay my bones down in bed, very carefully. Sometimes I'll have a neck roll that I, that I used and set it right behind there, just kind of create, and then I just lay there like a corpse. Uh, you can ask my wife about that. I just with a rose between my hands, and so, and I just lay down. I lay down, and I just am praying that they would just all just kind of, just all the muscles and everything would just kind of form back together in the right shape so I could get up in the morning and hurt, you know? but at least move. Any, it sound familiar, any of you? Not maybe the full strategy, but some of those, some of those things. I want, I want the, the function better the next day. I want my muscles and my bones to kind of cooperate, skeletal system and nervous system, all these different things, and try to get it to, get it to work, and that's just the way it goes. And I, I'd like for us to transition to think about what does Jesus do when his body hurts? strange metaphorical concept. Some of you already know where I'm going with it, but maybe you don't, but it's like when Jesus' body hurts, like, what do you mean Jesus' body? Well, this is a major metaphor for the church, right? The church is the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body of Christ. When, When we're being abused, attacked, or even atrophied, Jesus takes corrective action. Today is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Uh, This weekend was uh, Missions Fest, which had a major focus on the persecuted church. I got to listen to a young woman who was from North Korea. Um, Her body had atrophied uh, under under great starvation in the 90s. Her name was Grace Jo. And and in in North Korea, the the full story is, is too long to tell, but you know, her, her hair had changed color. Her body was shutting down until they found just the tiniest little bit of food. She finally escapes. Um, but persecuted because she loves Jesus. And when the, when the body is, when Christ's body is abused, uh, you know, uh, accused, uh, when it's atrophied, Jesus takes corrective action. And, and who can stop the Lord Almighty, right? I mean, just kind of putting some of these themes together. Think, think about, do you want to stand in the way of Jesus taking corrective action over his body? No, we want to participate in any way we can. Uh, Jesus' goal is to prove our faith genuine and to mature us, us, and grow us into the correct shape. Skeletal system, nervous system, muscles, all working together. The mature shape is a Christ-like shape. 
So remember Jesus? You read about him in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That's the shape we are to take. Christ-likeness. Say that, Christ-likeness. Who's worthy of that? No hands, right? Um, but, but who thinks that'd be kind of amazing if we as a church became like Christ? As a body, we, we became like Christ. I don't think you're content with this. I'm not content with immature faith or atrophied moral muscles, misshapen spiritual formation. Like, no, let's get out the rollers and let's <laughs> set our bones in place and let's strengthen toward that, toward that goal. And so we're going to look at Jesus today through the story of Paul as Paul continues to witness to the powerful people in his trial before King Agrippa and Governor Festus. And he's not just giving a legal defense. He's full-on preaching, like a prophetic sermon. He is, he's going after it. We, we looked at the first bit of it last week. You can grab a Bible, open a Bible online. There's Bibles in the back and kind of read the first part of it. But just for the, for the sake of brevity, and we know you can go back and watch that, that video from last week. Let's just move right into the passage. Acts chapter 26, 12 through 32. Paul's speaking of his persecution of the church, his accusation of the body of Christ, his punishment and just work on, beating on, and, and killing Christians. He says, In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with the authority of the commission of chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Brighter than the sun at noon, in the Middle East. <laughs> bright. We don't, we don't see that here much, but that's really bright. That shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. That's not what you woke up. Any of you say the word goad this morning? That's not a typical. Boy, today would just be a day to kick against the goads. It's not really a, a thing. But what, this is what it is. It's Jesus is saying, I feel the pain of my body. Who's the body? Well, it's his people. I feel the pain of my body. You're persecuting me. God is making a resurrected new humanity and you're standing in the way of it. The new work of resurrection has begun and you're trying to shut it down by persecuting the church. A goad, it was just a prod to keep the cows, the ox moving in the right direction. This is the direction that things are going and you're, you're pushing against it. Why won't you let new creation happen? Why won't you let new resurrection happen among the people of God? I'm doing a new thing. Are you ready for it? Paul's shutting it down. Paul says, he reports, I said, who are you, Lord? I recognized that part. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and, in, and to those in which I will appear to you. So I'm, what you have seen and in future visions, I will lead and guide you. And this is what he says, delivering you from your people 
delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, the nations. So if, if you've been wondering, maybe, you've, maybe you're like, I'm no Paul. <laughs> Boy, I'm not a Paul. Where does he get that resolve to just keep going, to keep pressing on? Even when it looks like he's just dead meat outside the city right now. Remember, they, they will take, there's times where the crowd would rise up, take him outside of the city, throw boulders at him until he's underneath the pile, walk away, and he's like, hey, a little help, and then they unpack the boulders, and then he gets up, and he oh, straightens up. He didn't have the hot tub and the roller, but he straightens up and figures it out, and then he starts heading back into the city, and his friends are like, what do you do? You no, it's this way. It's this way. He's like, no, 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 the gospel, the message of Jesus. Well, why? Because I think he's founded on this. I will deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles. Mm. Wow. So next week we'll get into that resolve a bit more, but just wanted to layer that in for you. So delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes. You will open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now those are fighting words. If you actually process that. If you're not under the authority of Jesus, under whose authority are you? Church, the power of Satan. I will send you to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Doug and I were texting about this yesterday, but I don't think it's the best way to have a conversation with someone just say are so you ready to turn from satan to god like is that the you're clearly under the power of the devil right now would you like to be exercised i mean is that what we're saying and yet this is the reality it kind of is or it isn't this is the claim i see people operating like they're under the power of of satan and not god and the forgiveness of sins play wow but he's saying these these gentiles he's speaking to a jewish and gentile audience these gentile christians are not dirty idolaters in league with the devil they are cleansed by faith sanctified that's what that means holy purified sanctified if you're in christ that's how you you are seen so so i don't know if paul's paul's trying to push this point but like a pure gentile you're going to tell a jew about a pure gentile how does that work how does that work but allegiance to jesus accomplishes all of that that's the power of the gospel. The allegiance to Jesus as Lord accomplishes the purification of a person through the forgiveness of sins. Well, I'm not a sinner. Tell me how you describe, how you define that. How do you define that? We're all meant to bear the image of God, to represent to the world what God is like. I don't think we've done that very well. We haven't done that to creation very well. This is, this is what God intended when he said, steward my creation. <laughs> you mean like dump oil into the river? No, we don't. No, it's different than that. Like, no, we don't do that. 
So how do you steward God's creation? Well, you, you tell the right story about who God is. My life is supposed to tell the right story about who God is because I'm a human. How often does that happen in the world? Well, we're, we're learning to tell a new story about what God is like through our lives because Jesus is making us like who? Himself. So, because he is the true image of the invisible God. And so if you want to show the world what God is like, you've got to be like Jesus, right? Because he's the true human. So some of that makes sense? That's the journey we're on to take the shape of Jesus as a people. So how are we cooperating with darkness? Because the world is trying to force us into its mold. How are we cooperating with light? Because God is all for us. Paul celebrates the freedom, listen to this, the transformation of a people from darkness to light in his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the true, the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. This light, brighter than the noonday sun, this light knocks him off his horse, all of his other people, and you and I would be a fool not to respond to it. So he says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And this may be the key of this entire speech, certainly a big part of Acts. And it's becoming a way of, of my life, too, where you say, hey, you be the judge. Should I honor God or should I honor you? Should I obey God rather than man? You be the judge. So as you explain it to people, say, hey, I'm under kind of a... Like, how come you won't go to that movie with me? How come you won't go do this thing? How come you won't engage in this? How come you won't do that? It's like... I don't, I don't know if you understand, like, but I worship the one who's on the right hand of the throne of God. So I'm under this authority, and I don't think it makes sense to obey you rather than God. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, to him, Jesus. And so I, I think I'm going to just go ahead and obey him instead of you, right? It's this, it's this, like, you be the judge. And this happens all the time in the book of Acts. Like, hey, what was I supposed to do? He said, and you say, but I'm going to go with what he says. Does that make sense? Like we should maybe incorporate that into our decision making. I was not obedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Okay? They, the nations, should repent. The Jewish people should repent to bring the nations back. And I don't know if you were told this, but repentance is a long-term process. How many of you have repented at least once? Raise your hand. Like at least once. Like you're like, you were heading in this direction and you're like, I need to not do that. And then you repented. Congratulations. But what happens when you bounce back again? Oh, again? Yeah, this, it's a process. It's a long-term process. <laughs> process and we need to continue that process i think of it in the, in the acronym row r-o-w like you're you're headed in this direction and then you've got to repent obey and worship correctly you know worship and then you have to do it again row repent 
Repent of that, obey, and worship. Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. So row, row, row. Some of you get tired out if you're like, I already rowed once, and the boat, the boat just stopped. Yeah, that's, that's the way of things. And plus the fact that you're in a river, not just on a lake, you might need to continue to repent, repent, repent. Okay, so it says, For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God. And I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Okay, this is the shape of the Jesus message, the shape of Jesus himself. We'll look at this here in a minute as we, as we finish up this passage. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, he's the governor, remember, said with a loud voice, that's shouting him down, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things because he has a Jewish background. And to him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. It's wide open. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? That's a bold move in a, in a trial. I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. Except for these chains, but other than that, worshipers of Jesus all. And the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa says to Festus, this man could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. But Paul is holding fast, realizing he will be delivered from his people and the Gentiles, and that God has been his help to this very day, and he's just going for it. What do you got to lose? So this is what I want to do. Just pick up some breadcrumbs I've left and look at what the shape of Jesus is as we, um, as we go through uh, the, just the understanding both then and now, what is the shape of the message of Jesus as well? So the shape of the body, I just, I just want to ask, you know, is, is, there a, is there a goal? Are we supposed to be headed towards something? And that word, we made a composite word, is Christ-likeness, right? Say it out loud, Christ-likeness. That's the goal. So, so as I would be, you know, a pesky pastor question, are you in the body of Christ? Are you part of the body of Christ? Through allegiance to Jesus, are you responsive to the head? That is, Jesus is the head of the church, the body. Do, do you reflect spastic behavior, not directed by the head? <laughs> you know that thing? I had this eyelid twitch the other day. I was just like, what is going on? Okay, first stop drinking coffee, but also like, what is going on with this eyelid twitch? And I was like, this, this, I'm not directing this. This is not something I want to be happening. There are worse things that, that are undirected that you're like, I didn't want that to happen to my, you know, your arms do things like that. Uh, we want to be connected to the head. Are we so closely aligned with Jesus, identified with Jesus, that to injure us, to malign us, is to malign Jesus? Because if we're the body of Christ, he takes it seriously when we're hurt. So if we identify as that, are, are, we, are we connecting in that way? Just listen 
to, to Paul's heart. He calls the church my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Oh, Paul, a man. (laughs) But imagining the anguish of childbirth, wanting them to become like Jesus. And Paul, he goes on to say in, in Ephesians, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature personhood, mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're headed. Issaquah Christian Church and the church generally in Issaquah is headed toward mature stature. Sit up straight. Come on, posture's everything. Mature manhood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I thank my God in my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, he says to the church in Philippi, for you making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of of Jesus Christ. So are we mature yet? Say it. Well, maybe. So I would say no, we're not quite there, but yes, that's very good. That's good to think of. I don't think, so when will it happen? What does it say? When will it happen? We'll be full brought, fully brought to maturity, full personhood when on the day of Christ's return, when he comes to take his bride. He's not going to marry a partial bride with spastic limbs. He's going, to bring, he's going to do the full thing. He's going to bring us all to maturity. That's the process we're in. But, but we are increasing, right, Jocelyn? We're growing. We're stretching out. We're getting the muscles and the skeletal system in place. And we're, we're trying to figure out what aligns with him and how to, how, what would it be to be like the posture of the body of Christ if, if we're his feet and we're walking then what does that look like and that's our everyday goal as individuals but then together as a church what does this look like i I sometimes worry for the church in in america because we've adopted a, a something that's been called cheap grace cheap grace like oh i dodged a bullet yeah jesus got shot instead of me yay look at me i can now live my i can do what i want because i'm forgiven like what story are you in again? What, 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 what is that? I'm so glad I, they would say I'm not held accountable for my sin anymore. That's awesome. I can live like I want and I can... No, I don't think you got the story. We're becoming like Christ. I got away with my sin. That's great. He forgave me. Awesome. And maybe you've turned from your sin. You've gone through that repentance thing. You've turned from your sin, but have you turned to the person of Jesus. Some of us, we're really excited that we're forgiven of our sin, but we just kind of head in the same direction. Doing less and less bad things. Congratulations. Uh, More and more moral. Uh, More and more proud that you put those things aside. How many of you don't do some things that other people do and you're kind of like, what the heck? What's wrong with them, right? Why don't they just... Figure it out, do the right thing like I'm doing. But that, what, 
Repentance is toward a person. Say that with me. Repentance is toward a person. It's toward Jesus. And so sometimes we can, we can turn from our sin, but we haven't turned all the way to Jesus. So we're not mirroring the message of Jesus and mirroring the shape of Jesus and, and mirroring the smile of Jesus. And, we're, and we're, we're not, we haven't turned our eyes toward Jesus. What we've done is just kind of turned our heart away from the bad stuff because, doggone it, it's not that hard or something like that. Like, no, we, we turn toward Jesus. It's good to turn away from sin. We must, and we need to turn toward Jesus. So would you say that, uh, maybe just in your hearts, you don't have to say it out loud, but that, that our church as a body is responsive and obedient to Jesus? It's like, whatever, whatever you say. Whatever you say, you follow, or you lead and we'll follow Jesus. Just you, you be the leader. Are we tied into his mind and, and his love for us? Are we tuned into what breaks God's heart of justice and his heart of love? Even as he's tuned into our suffering, are we tuned into him? And where's that mutuality? I just want us to be thinking about those, those things. We learn from this passage that to persecute Jesus, to persecute his church, is to persecute Jesus. It's the same. It's the same thing. And we also know that Jesus feels our suffering. And, and, and when his body hurts, we hurt and, and vice versa. I don't know if you know this, but this may be all you needed to hear today. We're supposed to cast our cares on him because he cares for some of you are going through some stuff. The anxiety levels are getting crazy. You're unstable. You're, you're not even sure what you're supposed to have done and you're forgetting things and you're figuring, you're just trying to, just trying to keep your head on straight. Well, let's, let's keep his head on straight. <laughs> and then let's put all of that worry, all that concern at, at, at his feet. He cares for you. So we're, we're doing life together in order to strengthen each other, encourage one another all the more and to do good works. And, and we're learning that, that repentance is the message. Metanoia is the, is the Greek word, but the change of heart and mind, a change of really orientation. So like a chiropractor, physical therapist, getting everything set so it can grow in, in, the, in the proper way. Our repentance is solidified by our activity. So you, you repent and then you grow the new muscles. This is why we put into practice the faith that, that we have. Our spiritual muscles grow and experience mutual support from a properly aligned skeletal system, right? Using that body, using that body analogy. A few more things to think about. Dean Pinter, uh, who's who's an Anglican, serves an Anglican congregation as well as his work as professor and writer. I just want you to listen in. This isn't our tradition, but listen in to his tradition about repentance. He says, repentance requires reorientation. There are a variety of ways that I try to express the implications of repentance in the context of parish ministry. For example, when we baptize new Christians in full view of the congregation, he uses an, an Anglican formula. Like I said, we don't use this, but it's, it'd be helpful to know this. He says, I have the candidates face west when I ask them these three questions. 
Which way is west from here? Some of you are very challenged, aren't you? But it's that way. So I'm like, I think we kind of do that. So we're really close. This is great, you know? But anyway, never mind. We don't have to think about that. I have the candidates face west when I ask them these three questions. Listen to these questions. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Then I have them turn and face east, just like toward Jerusalem, right? Um, as I ask these next three questions, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to obey him as your Lord? Right? This metanoia, this change of mind, a change of direction based on the, the shape of the message that, that Jesus is Lord. It's a turn from darkness, but it's turned to the source of light. We may have to say those as a group here in a minute, I think. But let's think about this. Do, do we do all in the name of Jesus, or are we kicking against the shape of the message of Jesus and the direction of Jesus? Is your, is your heart toward that? Because this is the bad news. The, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all trying to squeeze us into its mold. And we've got to push against that. It's misshapen. It's not the shape of Jesus' body. Because if we're not under the power of Jesus, we're under the power of Satan. And we need to, we need to sit with that. That's the bad news. But the good news is all heaven is directing us toward alignment with Jesus. All of heaven. Angels, ministering spirits sent to strengthen and encourage and grow us in the right direction, strengthening us in the right way and maturity in Christ's likeness. That's the shape of Jesus' body. Last thing, I just want to reiterate what we saw in here, the shape of Jesus' message. It's a message shaped in Israel's scriptures. So that's great, you're a New Testament believer. What does that even mean unless it <laughs> connects to the Old Testament? the shaped in Israel's scripture about Jesus the Messiah. Well, that's a Jewish thing. Don't skip it. The suffering Messiah, in fact, the first to rise from the dead with light for all people. That's the shape of the message. The Israel-shaped plan of the creator God is to bring about the worship of the created order Back to the start, we see that he's on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. So this Jesus, scripturally promised, suffering, risen, and missionary Messiah is the human glorious face of the one true and living God. Amen? Amen. That's the one. What is God like? What is it? Let's, let's start with who is Jesus and then let him inform what God is like. So dare, dare I say, and I do, that the, what the world needs from you is your passion for Jesus. They need to see your fixed gaze on Jesus, your, your attachment and your connection to Jesus. That's what the world needs to see. Your response to the heavenly vision, your works in keeping with repentance, that's how we'll grow in the shape of Jesus. And we'll represent the glorious Savior to an otherwise blind, captive, and darkened world. Allow me to close with Paul's words. 
about how this body life is supposed to take place. How we can love each other and not cause more pain to the heart of God. Ephesians 4, 25-32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we're members of one another. Be angry, and, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you.